What's up, gamers, and welcome to Lost at Sea Gaming. I am Hulking Yoda, the captain of this ship, the SS Gamer. And in this episode, get ready to enlist in the fight for your life as we join a group of Marines that unearth some terrifying secrets in the Iraqi desert in my review of House of Ashes. Before we get into the details of this game's story, let's take a minute to find out some interesting facts that you may not have known about the game or its developer in The Breakdown. Gamers, the developer of the Dark Pictures Anthology series of games is none other than Super Massive Games. And they've been around for a while. They've done quite a few different things, but I'll be honest with you, I didn't know that they did these next few things that I will share with you. Now, the company signed initially a contract to serve as Sony's second-party developer. Now, back in the day, the company did first work on downloadable content for Media Molecule's Little Big Planet and games that specifically utilized the PlayStation Move motion controller, which included Sackboy's prehistoric moves and Start the Party. Now, at this point, I'm thinking, wow, how did they go from this to what ended up being their next breakout hit, Until Dawn. Well, believe it or not, Until Dawn actually initially was envisioned as a PlayStation Move title. Though ultimately, it became the game we all know and love today. Motion controls were dropped. And I gotta tell you, I am extremely grateful that that was the case. It would have been a very different experience had it been with the PlayStation Move controllers. And who knows, we may not even have the Dark Pictures Anthology today. Until Dawn may not have been as big of a success as it was if it were utilizing that Move control scheme. So now let's go check out the details of this game's story. <laughs> 
House of Ashes begins 4,000 years in the past with blood rituals and emperors and eclipses, but I'm not going to go into those details of the game's prologue because it was a really welcome surprise to me and a part of the game and story that I did not expect, and I do not want to ruin that surprise and the outcome of the prologue for you listeners. So after the prologue, we flash forward 4,000 years to Iraq in the year of 2003 at the height of the Iraqi war, where intel spearheaded by work and research performed by Lieutenant Colonel Eric King has revealed what seems to be a well-protected base by Iraqi soldiers housing weapons of mass destruction. Now, Colonel King is tasked with a mission of meeting up with this small group of Marines that just so happen to be stationed somewhat nearby and to investigate that location and doing what's necessary in the defense of the nation. Now, of course, it just so happens that his wife, Rachel, is stationed with this small group and is going to be part of this mission as well. Problem is, Nick and Rachel have had next to no contact for the past year, and they've been stationed apart. This mission kind of forces them together into an awkward situation, considering how they left each other, the terms they left with each other, and there may be some infidelity going on here. But needless to say, without getting into spoilers, it's going to make for an interesting dynamic between the two. Now, without getting into all the details here, let's just say that things do not go as planned, of course at the target site upon the team's arrival, and they end up finding themselves many feet below the surface of the desert. And what's going to ultimately be a fight for their survival and just to get back to the surface. Only they didn't really plan on fighting these creatures that inhabit the underground cave system they found themselves in. Now on the Iraqi side of the story is a character named Salim, and he's a lieutenant in the Iraqi army And he plays a huge role in this story. And honestly, guys, he is my favorite character when speaking of characters in this game. So we're going to start with Salim specifically. And he was my favorite for many reasons. He was selfless, objective. He's all about survival. And at the end of the day, he's just a decent dude and father. Now, I love the way that the story shaped and shared who this man was. And it was just a joy every time I got to play as his character. And let's just say he's pretty B.A. when it comes to melee combat as well. Now, of the other four characters that you're going to be tasked with guiding through this terrifying story and the caves beneath the Iraqi desert, Lieutenant Justin Kolchek and Sergeant Nick K. were my two favorites. Now, these guys both had great character arcs, at least the way that I played them and the dialogue options that I went with. And this was really solidified to me by the fact that I wasn't really a fan of either of these guys at the beginning of the game. But as the game went on and the decisions I made, and by the time the credits rolled, I actually really dug these two dudes. Now, the story and explanation of the game's creatures, it's mostly left a mystery. But there are enough clues here to see and some deductive reasoning going on from you as the player. You can kind of figure out exactly what their origins are. The other big piece of the story, though, was another welcome surprise in the form of collectible journal entries that you can find throughout the caves of a Dr. Randolph Hodgson. Now, Dr. Hodgson was an archaeologist from the 40s who was exploring these same tombs with an expedition team, and he left behind these journal entries of the experience that he and his team had while they were underground. And man, I thought it was awesome. 
Now, these entries, they weren't just to be read by you, the player, either. They actually prompted, when selected, a brief video of what was written in that entry, which just, for me, helped add to my enjoyment of them. Now, as much as I love the history of witch trials and everything else going on in the town of Little Hope, I loved these journal entries on a different level. So overall, I felt Supermassive did a great job with the game's setting, characters, character arcs and development, the lore behind its creatures, and the ending that I received. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Now, I can't speak for the other many endings that are out there, but from what I understand, I did have what is considered to be one of the good endings, and I love the closure that it gave to my surviving characters, of which I had three. Which, just putting it out there, that was an improvement over the two that I had in Little Hope, which I, I was very disappointed with. So I was extremely happy to be back on the upper side of things with three out of five survivors. So overall, excellent story and great characters and a lot of fun. So now let's go check out what I thought of the graphics and sound. When speaking about graphics, the first thing I'll talk about is what the first thing is that comes to my mind when I think of House of Ashes. For what reason, I don't know, but it's the cover. And all the Dark Pictures Anthology titles, they have the same kind of cover where there's essentially what would insinuate being the main character in the visage of the skull that's highlighted in the logo of the Dark Pictures Anthology. Now, in this game, it is Actress Ashley Tisdale, most of you may know her from High School Musical. She's been in many other things as well. But it would seem as if she is the main character in this game. And that visual, that image of her on the cover is what kind of stands out to me. Now, in my opinion, I personally did not think that she was the main character in this game. Neither did I feel that Sean Ashmore and Man of Medan was the main character of that game. No big deal. But her character model is where I'm going here as far as the visuals. It is the absolute spitting image of her real-life counterpart. Now, not just her, but all character models in this game are excellent. There's just great details. I mean, not just in their looks, but their facial animations are perfect. The body animations look so fluid and realistic. The details in their clothing, every character is exquisitely detailed. Now, the other characters in this game are, of course, the game's creatures that live in the cave systems below the Iraqi desert. And man, I got to tell you, they are extremely detailed as well. They look terrifying, they're grotesque, and every time the camera zooms in and you get a good shot of those fangs and different uh, looks at their design, it's like, oh man, I would not want to be caught in a dark cave with these guys. So great job on the design of the enemies in this kind of game. And I got to tell you, the environments is where we'll go next. Every location in this game looked great even miles below the surface of the desert and mostly dark tombs and caverns. Now, like in all of the Dark Pictures games, the level of detail, it's really highlighted in tighter spaces like rooms or hallways and the items that are strewn about, like say a desk or the digging equipment left to collect dust for the past 60 years. It just all looks great here. Now, there's many types of environments to look at in this game. You have indoor outdoor houses caves temples desert it's all here and it's all really well done supermassive kind of outdid themselves in my opinion in this game you know you go from a game like little hope where the majority of the environments are dark you can't half see where you're going you don't see a whole lot of depth or field of vision 
and you don't feel like it's really a bigger environment. Well, you feel that in this game, the desert, the massiveness of the underground cave system and the temples that you're going through. Oh man, they just did an excellent, excellent job here. So overall, it's an excellent looking game. No complaints whatsoever from the visual side of things. When we talk about the sound and audio, now the voice acting in this game is so much better than Little Hope. That was one of my biggest grievances with Little Hope was the pretty bad overall voice acting. It's not even like there was one character. It was actually a few characters that were not good. But in this game, in House of Ashes, every actor owns their character and its respective lines. Now, of course, the curator is the returning character in all these games, and he's always been my favorite. And again, he does not disappoint in this game. He kills his scenes. And as far as the other characters, the five main ones that you carry throughout the story, the emotion in any given scenario, it's perfectly conveyed in the facial expressions, the tone of voice, the inflection. They just do an excellent, excellent job. I can't say it enough. Now, the voice of the creatures, so to speak, is also done really well with this terrifying screech is what I'll say when they're kind of in combat mode. And there's also this classic clicking noise that they do when they're stalking you from the dark. So, of course, if you can't see them, what's more terrifying than not being able to see what's stalking you from the shadows, as opposed to a really creepy sounding sound. So they do that and they pull that off very well in this game. The music is great and fits in the scenes with the story very well. And definitely does a great job in the right moments of building that tension or panic and reacting well to some of the outcomes of your decisions in-game. They really did a very good job and collaborated really well with the composer of this game's score, which is a different composer than the last games have had. So I feel like that definitely kind of shows through as well. The basic sound effects that you get and the ambiance and the environments, they're top-notch. So you got footsteps across the sand desert surface and through the caves and temples underground, combined with the echo and emptiness of the underground caverns. It really is accentuated very well and can convey through sound just the type of environment that you're in perfectly. And if you're wearing a headset, it comes through even better. Overall, excellent job on both the graphics and the sound and audio in this game. Now, let's go see how the game controls. Gamers, if you listen to my little Hope review, you'll know that one of my biggest grievances with that game was the right analog control scheme and how it controlled your camera movement as well as the lighting and lighting your path forward with a flashlight or whatever device you had on your hands at the time. So my biggest apprehension of fear coming into House of Ashes was, did Supermassive Games, in fact, improve that control scheme or change it up at all? Well, let's find out. So, of course, in this game, you're going to control your character with the left analog stick from a third-person perspective. And you're going to have fixed camera angles, though, with some tracked movement camera angles, which is kind of pushing or following your character along, depending on which moment you're in. But as you explore, you're going to be moving that character with the left analog. And that right analog is yet again going to control minimal camera movement as well as the placement and positioning of your lighting. Now, that lighting is going to be done either with a Zippo lighter or the light on top of your gun if you're a character who happens to be wielding a weapon. And you can toggle that on and off with RB if you're playing on the Xbox. Now, the bottom line is, this is so much better than it was in Little Hope. So to answer that question, absolutely, super massive and greatly refined that control scheme in this game. And it controlled much tighter. It was 
so much more a joy to control than it was in Little Hope. Now, otherwise, you can also use the A button to interact with items in the environment and items of interest. And ultimately, that's really the majority of what you're going to be doing control-wise in the game. Most of what is left of the controls is tied to those infamous quick-timer events and, of course, dialogue selections. Now, the QTEs, quick-timer events, those are specific to buttons prompted in those moments. And the dialogue options, you can select those with the right analog stick. You just kind of hold the stick in the direction of the decision you want to make. Now, the quick-timer events, I felt like, were much more fair in the sense that, in little hope, I feel like Supermassive got to a point where it was almost like they were maniacally sitting there watching everyone fail these quick-timer events because of how overly challenging, and not even past the challenging piece, but just being unfair, in a sense, that a lot of those quick-timer events got, at least in my experience. But in House of Ashes, I feel they found a perfect balance of both challenge and fairness to make these, oh man, you got to be on point, you got to be paying attention, but it's not like you blink and you miss it. You still have just that very, very slight window of opportunity to miss the QTE button prompt. So I did like the fact that they improved on that as well. Now you can also pause the game anytime, and this will bring up an options menu with many tabs. And those tabs, they range from tabs that'll show your character's statuses and relationships with one another, the collectibles that you found so far, as well as probably one of my favorite tabs, the web of different story outcomes based on your decisions and crucial moments so far in the game. So it really just kind of shows you as you're playing through all the different possible scenarios and outcomes that you can have playing this game. It's actually pretty insane. But overall, I felt the controls as a whole are the best so far in the Dark Pictures games and hopefully a good sign of what to expect going forward with the anthology. Now let's get into the depth of the game's gameplay. To kick things off, I'm going to list the three different types of modes that you can choose from at the beginning of the game. Now, of course, there's single player story, which I will be focusing on in my review, but I also wanted to tell you about the other two modes, the first of which is shared story mode. Now, this is the two player online cooperative mode where you can play the whole story online with a friend and make choices that affect each of you. And the really cool thing I thought about this shared story mode was the fact that it has specific exclusive scenarios that you can only get from playing this mode. You can't play it in single player and you can't play it in the other mode, which is movie night mode. Now this is actually also really cool. It's where you and up to four friends, you can play the story together on the couch. Each one of you controls a different character of the five and you pass a single controller between one another. So I thought that was pretty cool as well sounds really fun if you have a group of friends together and you just kind of want to spend a night getting through the story and seeing what happens and how each of you affects the other. That definitely sounds like a lot of fun and something that I would like to try at some point, even if it was the shared story mode for another co-op friend, just to see what those exclusive scenarios are. But this review is about my experience with the single player story. Now, if you didn't already know, if you've never played a Dark Pictures anthology game or a super massive game going back to Until Dawn, these games are pretty much an interactive movie. 
Now, you play from the third-person perspective, as mentioned earlier, and you're going to be exploring mostly linear pathways and environments while you perform quick-timer events or QTEs when prompted, and you make story and life-altering decisions for your five main characters involved with this specific story. Now, the whole point of this game is to make it to the credits with all five of those characters still alive. So in order to do this, you have to be on your toes at all times because, guys, you never know when there's going to be a QTE and it could cost a character their life. Now, dialogue options, don't count them out because they are also very important because of the weight that your decisions have on the five characters' relationships with each other. Say if you upset the wrong person in the moment, it could cost that character or another their life later on in the game. If you decide to go down the left path instead of the right at a fork, it could cost that character their life, depending on which direction you go. So it's this constant fear of not knowing the outcome and not being able to go back and simply reload a checkpoint if the outcome is one that is not desired. If you take the left and you die, you can't just reload and go right. Now, technically, you can reload a scene, but guys, honestly, where's the fun in that? For me, that's where most of the fun comes from in these games is challenging yourself to make it to the end with as many characters alive as possible. Now, there is no real-time combat in this game, but there are combat scenarios which play out as QTE events. And I'm not going to lie to you, they had my palms sweating every time, worried that I would have that one slip-up of an analog stick nudge or button press and cost one of my five characters their lives. So overall, the tense gameplay of the QTEs, as well as the impact of the dialogue options and character relationships, and the weight that that plays on your character's survival, that was the most refined that I've seen so far from Supermassive. Now, from an exploration standpoint, again, these environments are mostly linear, but I loved the tombs and the cave systems that you explore here and the rich history and lore that Supermassive built into the environments and their creature inhabitants. There's not much here in the way of puzzles, although you will have a few rooms or moments where you have to kind of piece some things together. But honestly, there's not really puzzles in the way that one might traditionally think of them in a gameplay setting. In my opinion, though, I feel that the game is not built to have gameplay elements like puzzles added in because this would slow down the gameplay too much and the flow of what's going on here. I really think that since these games are meant to be enjoyed as more of an interactive movie than anything else, that's why it is kind of unnecessary to have full-on puzzles in these games. But I will say, though, I also loved the collectibles that you go after in this game. Now, there are a few types... In the first, there's two different types of framed pictures, which are potential visions of the future. You have your black frame portraits that indicate death, and the white frame portraits indicate positive outcomes. Now, none of these visions are guaranteed to happen, and they appear in previous Dark Pictures games, but I do love how they can help you in a way. So, you know, they're foreshadowing. Uh, they kind of potentially can show you what not to do in the future. If you come into a room that you recognize from one of the visions or a scenario that involves, say, dynamite, and you're like, oh, crap, I remember that vision where this person dies if they interact with the you know, dynamite, so I'm not messing with that dynamite. As well as, you know, it's also a way, again, to see some of the grisly deaths that those characters can meet without actually having to lose the character in the scheme of the story. 
Now, other than these collectibles, I loved the diary entries of Dr. Randolph Hodgson, as I mentioned earlier. Man, they were awesome. So these are the basics of the gameplay, which for this style of game, I really felt were balanced well and serviced the story as they were meant to. I never felt there was too many QTEs or too many slowdowns with dialogue options. Again, Supermassive has found a perfect balance, in my opinion, of exploration, character development and relationship building through those dialogue options and QTEs, as well as fun collectibles with, of course, some tension and horror thrown in there to raise the stakes at every turn. Now let's go check out the ship's chronometer to see how long it took me to beat the game, as well as how long it might take you to beat the game, depending on your play style. Gamers, when looking at what kind of time you can expect to spend in House of Ashes, it's pretty much in line with the rest of Supermassive's games, the other two Dark Pictures anthology titles. So if you're going in strictly just to get that story and experience it and get in and get out just the one time, you're probably looking at no more than five hours. These really are just kind of a, a lengthy interactive movie is the best way to describe them, which is not a bad thing. It's just the reality of what these titles are. Now, if you're looking to do that story, plus as you're going through, maybe looking for some collectibles, some little bit of exploration in your environments just to try to see if there's something that you may want to avoid or if it comes up in a QTE or in a conversation later, you want to make sure you have all options at your disposal. A little bit of exploration is probably going to add a couple hours. So maybe you'll be right at that seven hour mark. That's exactly where I landed right at that seven hours. Now, if you're a completionist and you're going to try to go for all endings, all scenarios played out and get all thousand gamer score and that platinum trophy on PlayStation, I'm going to guesstimate here that you're probably looking at double that, maybe even a little bit more coming in right at the 15 hour mark just because there are so many different scenarios and some of these scenarios require you to play out the other portions of the game just to get to them to choose a different option the way the save system is set up you don't have kind of a manual save option it's all auto save so you really only have scene selections from the main menu so you're going to have to replay good portions of the game in order to get to those decisions now if you try to go for a platinum trophy and a thousand gamer score, it's going to be required for you to do those multiple playthroughs to unlock all those secret achievements tied to different options that you just can't get in one or sometimes even two and three playthroughs. So overall, 15 hours. And then if you're trying to play through with a friend, it does have a co-op option. So you really can play this as long as you want just to kind of continue adding replay value to it as you see fit. Now, let's go see what my final thoughts and review score are. Looking back at House of Ashes, it is easily my favorite of the three Dark Pictures anthology titles so far. And honestly, my favorite supermassive game since Until Dawn. It had a great story and characters that really struck a positive chord with me and kept me hooked from the beginning of the game to its end. Not just really from a wanting to know what happens next in the story perspective, but also from having my buy-in to the game's characters and actually caring about what happened to them. And not just one or two characters, all of them. Because guys, usually in these kinds of games, there's at least that one character that I really can't stand or don't care about if they die or not. But I actually really wanted all 
five of these characters to survive. I also feel like Supermassive has really refined this style of gameplay in so many areas. The controls for character movement and camera and lighting, they're so much more improved over Little Hope. The dark visuals that were there, there really wasn't a whole lot of lighting but they were improved in this game as well over Little Hope. These are both very dark games, but Little Hope kind of relied on fog and other things to just really encumber your sight as a player, whereas in the tombs and different areas that you explore in House of Ashes, it could have gone that way, but Supermassive did a great job of really lightening up some of these environments, even though they were at a base very dark. And ultimately, I feel they have found the perfect balance of challenge to frustration when it comes to those quick-timer events that these games are just full of. I still wish there was a little bit more time for exploration and the environments that you're going through, though. And while we're fine, I will say the controls for lighting and camera still need just a little bit of tweaking to get it just right. With all this being said, though, my final score for House of Ashes is a very solid 8.5 out of 10. That'll do it for my review of House of Ashes. I hope you've enjoyed your time aboard the SS Gamer. You can join its crew by searching for Hulking Yoda on the Xbox or PlayStation networks, as well as Nintendo Switch Online, or email me at lostatseagaming365 at gmail.com. You can also find me on social media on Instagram at Lost at Sea Gaming and on Twitter at Lost at Sea, G-A-M-I-N, the number one. Thank you for listening, and until the sea says otherwise, we'll keep sailing.